0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 234. Man, what a whirlwind of a past few weeks has been for me, at least. I feel like I've been living in the clouds nonstop, and uh, it's been hard to kind of manage. I'm not gonna lie, but it's been fun. It's also been very, very fun. So I'm not gonna lie about that as well. Um, as always, Welcome back to the podcast, sponsored by NerdFocus. Make sure you guys go check those guys out, nerdfocus.com, in stores all over the country. A lot of great reviews. My favorite is, is mainly the blue can. I'm not going to say mainly. It is the blue can, no calories. For me, that's perfection in a bottle. Well, perfection in a can. Um, So yeah, I got invited to do the Jake Paul podcast, super last minute, random thing, and... I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. It's over in Miami. I didn't know he lived in Miami. For some reason, I remember him living in Puerto Rico. I actually asked him about that. And he said, yes, he does live in Puerto Rico. He still does. Um, That's that sick-ass house he bought and posted, which I had to go and look um, because people were telling me that he bought this crazy house. I went, look, man, the house is really nice. And shoot, much respect and credit to people like that who can afford those type of things, man. Isn't that what life's all about, especially living in America? being able to achieve all that you want, and working hard for it. So credit to Jake Paul for getting that. Um, his podcast was really cool, man. And it's always different when you talk to people off offline versus like uh, in the media eye when you're promoting or selling something. And I got to see a different side of Jake Paul, which is cool. And I told him, I was like, bro, we're probably the two most understood and most hated athletes out there for some reason right now. And... I get why, but it's just really really stupid. It's it doesn't even make sense. It's like we're living in a simulation. People are going to believe what they want to believe and that's what we we both have in common common that we actually understand that. And sometimes it is what it is. Like you can't change people's minds. The people's perception is their reality. Like what you think of me no matter what is going to be what you want to think and feel or what you think of him it's going to be what you think and feel no matter what he says or does unless you just decide to come around based on some type of action that he does, maybe. So, yeah, it is what it is. But over, all in all, great, great time going down there doing that. <clears throat> I saw the thing shortly, a few days after that, Masvidal came down there. I don't know if that was real or not. I was reading the comments and people were saying, yeah, this is fake. I wasn't sure. I, I couldn't really tell. Because the studio is kind of like just out in the open. It's not very hard to find if, I feel if you wanted to find it, you could find it. It doesn't seem like it's very discreet, if that makes sense. Uh with that being said, I don't know if that was real or not. If it was real, damn, my was just out here in these streets. <laughs> but I don't know, whatever. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with that. So we'll we'll see. And um I'm back from my vape my bait K. Got a little boot up. So b- being that we're gonna go down there for a day, I had just flown back to Vegas. I was like, okay, we're gonna go back, we're gonna do this podcast East Coast to West Coast, then back to the East Coast but this time South Side in Miami, we went down and we're like, baby, let's just make a three day vacation out of this. So we went and shout out to them and their team that took care of my fan my, my fiance and I, Rebecca. So it it was fun and a very affordable thing to do. Obviously I got my own money, but very affordable thing to do because they took care of us. So thank you guys. Much appreciated for having us out there. And we had a great time, man. Can't wait to get back to Miami. We're actually I, I don't know if I should even say this. But, yeah, we're going to be back in Miami soon. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, maybe see my Floridians really, really soon. I think. Maybe. Call me, maybe. So this weekend, we got Cage Fury. We got three of our guys. We got Dennis Bazookia. We got Charlie Campbell. He's back since his contender series fight. Um, Obviously, he came up short. And then we got Damian Nelson, who's back uh, big big opportunity for all three of these guys, man. I think they go out there and they shine June 16th. Good things are going to happen for them. So I'm looking forward to cornering, and I'm looking forward to the Hall of Fame dinner that they're doing, uh, I believe, June 15th down in New Jersey as well for Cage Fury. I believe I'm going to be one of the first that they induct to the Hall of Fame. <clears throat> Possibly... Paul Felder, too, I would imagine, right? I would imagine Paul's going to be taken care of down there. I hope so. Uh, with that being said, Cage Fury, it, it taught me a lot of learning lessons, taking note, fights on short notice, preparing for five-round camps. Back then, the only fight that went the distance was the fight that I challenged for the title against a very high-level grappler. At the time, I was only about, I think, a blue belt, maybe, maybe a white belt, maybe a blue belt. I'm not really sure. At 4th, Sean Centella was shocked he never got his opportunity to get to the UFC. I think the UFC maybe just didn't like his persona. Because sometimes it could be like that, man. And he never got a crack, man. 125, I thought he was a very talented dude. Smart fighter. Didn't take a ton of risk, But when it came to grappling, he is like a Charles Oliveira. A wizard. But his striking was very opposite of Charles Oliveira. And, yeah. But, again, for him, five rounds. That was a really good fight. And then after that... Uh, I fought sidemar Sideco um Hul- honorio Sideco side sidecar sidedeco something like that finished him in the th- in the no I fought damn I don't know man I fought three guys though I know at this yeah what's the I think I got a third round finish yeah sodeco I fought Johnson second round Tko um submission and then I fought uh, uh, Joe Robinson got a got a first-round finish. So I went from a third-round finish, second-round finish, and first-round finish. And then I got the call-up to the UFC. But it didn't happen just like that. Like, the UFC told me I wasn't ready. And eventually, long story short, I'm just saying, I learned a lot of value there competing against some of the toughest guys that you could. Like, MMA was still in its infancy in terms of well-roundedness. Now, when you fight on the regional circuit, these guys are all very good, high-level guys, all over the East Coast now, and it's very hard to get those undefeated records going unless you're really being careful about the type of experience that your opponent has before you agree to fight them. Excuse me. With that being said, um, I think that helped me gain a lot of grit and a lot of toughness coming up to this point in my career, so thank you for Cage Fury for... Grooming me, even though I kept beating the guys that I think that they wanted to win, (laughs) kind of similar. Um, And I say that because I didn't sell tickets, and it it felt like it was very on par. They were like, "You are our most, I don't know, whatever, our highest paid champion that sells the least amount of tickets." I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. So, thank you guys. I hope that I paved the way for the Cage Fury fighters out there, showing that we are some of the toughest competition in the regional circuits, if you want to get stiff competition, you want to test yourself, that is the place to try to go. They're on UFC Fight Pass as well. So you guys are going to see our guys. Make sure you tune in. The Jamaican sensation, Damian Nelson, looking to bounce back. We got Bazookia right on the cusp of getting into the UFC. I think a big win here. And a finish. I think it puts him right there as the next guy who gets that call up. And then we have uh, Charlie Campbell looking to bounce back in a very big way uh three very tough dudes man make sure you guys tune in and watch these guys like i said june 16th on fight pass lock it in and what's up with connor out here knocking out mascots now uh i don't know what to say about that like i kind of i no, kind of i do agree with dana like what did you think was gonna happen like you have this guy trying to do a skit he's gonna to punch you did they think like they're gonna do like these soft punches or like was this planned out, thought through? I don't know. It's like some of these challenges. I get my friends who who sometimes they will ask me, like, can you kick me in the leg? And I'll lightly do it. Cause I'm just like, dude, just, I'm not gonna kick you in the leg. Because if I kick you in the leg really hard, you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be a little fucked up, man. Let's call it what it is. Um so this, I don't know what that skit was all about. I mean, they could have done a whole rah-rah, kind of could have tossed some shirts into the crowd, shadow box a little bit. That could have been the show right there, but instead him and the, the mascot had to tussle. Or they should have, after the first shot, he gets floored instead of him lining them up and then cracking him with a left hand. Uh, someone could have came in and broke it up and been like, no, the fight's over, the fight's over. And that could have been like the hype up right there. But you guys let the man punch the, a, a dead body on the ground and that's just what happens. The mascot got it. This is what we do when we fight and we, yeah, this is what we do on a daily. Not very good. So, we got the fights now. <laughs> Amanda Nunez, let's talk about it. Great fight for her. Not very fun to watch, if I'm being completely honest. There was maybe one holy moment and barely was it a holy shit moment. Donna landing a counter right hand and then looking like she wanted to apologize because she hit her too hard. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying. She looked like she had so much respect for Nunez that she didn't want to hurt her or hit her. And it's just like, my girl, you're trying to chase a dream yourself. If you're going to be in there, you got to make sure you make that switch before you make that walk to the cage. Otherwise, you're going to have performances like that where you look like, yeah, like you don't want to hurt your opponent. Very little offensive attack. It looked like she didn't want to piss her off, and whatever, man. It sh- I don't know. Amanda was just, like, taking her down, throwing her down, getting up when she felt like getting up, and then punching her a couple times on the ground and getting back up. It almost looked like I was watching Rob torture some guys in the sparring room. It would just take guys down, throw them down, and then he'll be back bouncing around in place, and then he's smiling like you know he's about to go again, and then he'll make a war cry. oh, And then you're just like, I don't want to hit this guy because if I hit him, I might make him mad. And then he's like, even worse the way he's doing to you. That's what that fight looked like, man. And again, no shots or shade thrown out down his way. I think she's going to look back at this and be very disappointed that there's so many opportunities for her to open up and strike. I don't know if it was like the power, the short notice, maybe it was the stage fright, the big moment. There's a lot of things. Short notice, maybe she didn't want to get tired and get punched out. But I think it gets to a point where You fight for a title and you fight like that, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because the chances of you getting another title shot if you're going to perform like that are very small. We know how the UFC can be. These aren't my rules. I'm just going by what I've seen over the years, right? We know the people who go in and they put their best foot forward. Even if they lose or get knocked out, if it's entertainment entertainment, and they can make it somewhat scrappy, you're going to get back in there. People are going to be gunning for you. So it's like, you in that moment. Like, And I don't like bringing myself into this. because I don't have those type of fights. I had it one time. Uh, maybe the carry fight, you could kind of say that, but I, it was more so fatigue than anything. But I think, I, from what I remember, I still outstruck him, even though I was circling. He was the one that wasn't throwing any punches and couldn't really hit me. So I think it's a little unfair to use that one. But the Yan fight, you know, I, I was in a mindset like, yeah, I might be compromised, but I'm going to just go forward and just, Hopefully, Jan slips on a banana peel and I could take him down and submit him after a crappy fight IQ blip of taking him down, start throwing the hammer fist and losing the position. Like my fight IQ was completely shot. But I knew if I could just go forward, even if I'm getting beaten up, I show my toughness. I show that in my heart that I'm never gonna quit. And I was gonna be like, oh, you did quit. Gosh, come on guys, give it a break. Like I said, I, I, give it a break. Um, I feel for her. She could have done something similar. And obviously no one wants to get beaten up, but like icing your face for a couple, like a week straight. It's, it's very painful, man. But at the same time, this is the biggest moment that you could ever ask for. So we got to make the most of it, right? So my advice to Aldana is review the tape, see what you did wrong, see why that is. Only you can do some soul searching and figuring that out. And then seeing what you want to do going forward, because now that the title is vacant, because Amanda is now retired, there's a window for you to get back in there. But now with the fans, are the fans going to want you to get back in there based on what they just saw? And I don't know if the team is telling her this, but sometimes you got to hear the, the harsh, honest truth. And again, please don't make this sound like I'm trying to be mean or anything like that. I want to see everybody win. I would like to see everyone become a world champion, but it's impossible. We know that's not realistic. Some people shine under the bright lights. Some people fold and crack under the pressure. We know this to be true. I think Aldana might have folded a little bit under the pressure. And I was hyping her up to all my friends like yo she's got really good power she can strike she's got that Mexicana Mexican hard-nosed, grit, hard nose grit heart boxing like she stayed in there and took the whooping the whole time but it was more of a punching bag than a fight you know what I mean and maybe Amanda's just that great and maybe she just but I just I find it hard to believe that her greatness caused her to not want to throw any oppo- like throw any strikes to- to look for any opportunity to win or get a finish. Because that's what she's known for, her hands. And she even looked solid on the ground when she when the fight hit the ground. She was advancing the guard, being active off of her back, trying to, like, manipulate the legs a little bit. But there was never, like, I'm going to grab you, throw elbows, and grab your head, throw a punch from your back. Like, wanting to scrap in every single position. And that's my only... Real criticism. I know I'm probably gonna see her somewhere. The PI. This is just my life. I I do the podcast now, and I see these athletes, and sometimes they hear what I say, and it's very weird for me because I'm like, dude, I hope you're not sensitive. Like, I hope it's not like I ruffle everyone's feathers because I'm I'm giving an honest opinion. I'm not doing it the way Henry Sayuto does. I'm being, I'm trying to give it in a way that I would like for a coach to give it to me, and we can have a dialogue, if that makes sense. What does Amanda go from here? done, right off into the sunset. Like she said, she was retired, the double champion. The the biggest, the biggest... Uh, I don't want to use this term because I know he's going to clip... I know Jake's going to clip this. It's going to look so funny. The person who loses the biggest in this moment is Juliana Pena. And there's reasons for this for me. She had a great first fight with her, but it was a little back and forth, but she, she had a great first fight. She finished her. And then the second fight, it wasn't even close. Now, my... My street cred in me and in my high school and middle school version of my mindset, the way I think about fighting, is you can't have beaten me up like that in front of everybody and I don't get a chance to do it again. We're one and one. Ain't no way you about to dip and not. This is like the kid who beats you up. You beat you. You get into a fight twice. Very competitive fight the first time. And then it's like, ah, that was a really good fight. They just got tired. They can make that excuse. Now the second time, it's like, nah, they whooped your ass, homie. And then you find out the next, like, two weeks later when you're about to get into a fight after school and you're waiting. And you find out that they moved. You find out that your rival, they moved. You're just going gonna to beat me up and go? I can't. Have you just beat me up in front of the cafeteria like that, and the playground like that, and just go home and move? I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna pull up to your gym. We're gonna do. We're gonna do this again. Cause you ain't gonna knock me down all over the place. And this is how I felt against Yon. Ain't no man about to ragdoll me and think he's gonna ride off into the sunset. I will find that ass and get redemption. We will do this again. And obviously, it's fighting. Like, you don't always get the rematch, even if the guy whoops your ass. But this is just the way I think. So I'm thinking, we got one, one. you got a trilogy. He's 1-1. You got to do it again, right? You got to do it again. Uh, you got to fight Yawning at SMD. Like I said, it wasn't close. For me, I was the guy who ran off into the sunset. Split decision my ass. So yeah, I feel for Juliana Pena in this. Now she's got an opportunity to become the queen. And Amanda throws a little shake. She says, whoever wins the belt will no will definitely not feel like and won't be the champion because the real champion is at home. And I'm just like, ah, to me, that burns me. I would be so pissed. But how long do you wait before Amanda can no longer use that in terms of the division passing by? In term- Like, say that we go one, two years, there's no Amanda. Can the people who now hold the belt now say and consider themselves the real champion? How long can Amanda actually hold that title or that thought process amongst people? I don't know. But with that being said, Amanda's a bad, bad woman. She's about to. Have to she's about to have her second kid. Let's see: Aldana, Juliana Pena. She lost, came back, but before she actually beat Megan. Megan Anderson, uh, Felicia Spencer, Geronda May, Deronda May, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Raquel Pennington, Valentina Shevchenko. Ronda Rousey, Misha Tay, Valentina Shevchenko, Sarah McMahon, Shayna Baszler. Only person she ever lost to before that was um Kat Sagano in the UFC, and before that she lost to Sarah Diolillo by decision and Invicta. So Nunez, man, she's just a marauder out there. And I think shes you got to put her down as the greatest of all time for women. You have to. I can't see how anyone else could even have a close of an argument I mean, you got the pioneers, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about accolades. Samantha Nunes, she does, she does that. Next up, Charlie Olives, aka Charles Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira, does it again in pff, exciting fashion. What? Where does this guy? Where does this guy get the finishing ability from? Like. I don't get it. 20 finishes now, I think they said. That's the record. This guy is just an animal against the elite of the elite. And I hate the argument that people are using saying Benny was never that good. Benny didn't deserve a title shot. Guys, Islam Makachev, you guys swore up and down. Everyone swore up and down. He was that good. And some people said, so it it felt split. It felt like people saying Makachev didn't deserve a title shot. And then some people were saying, he does deserve a title shot because he's that good. And the belt is inevitable. So why can't Benny be that good and just had a bad night? Or maybe Charles was just that good the whole time. And maybe his fight with Islam Makachev was his bad night. And I'm only trying to connect the dots so that you guys can see that not every day you step into the octagon, you're going to shine your best. You're going to shine your brightest. You're going to have your best performances. It doesn't work like that. It's a fight. Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you have a bad hydration, rehydration. Sometimes the moment shocks you. And these are all real things. It's like if you go to an interview for a brand new job where you maybe double or triple your salary and you feel so nervous going in that you might find yourself stuttering, repeating the same words, saying the things like, 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 you know, like, you know, like, or going, you know, you know, you know. This is what I do, you know. You know, this. you ever seen the thing And when you're breaking it down? You know. People talk like that. And it's not all the time within their character. Sometimes it's just the moment or the situation that gets the better of them. And I feel like there's a potential case for that with Darius. I'm sure Darius is not going to make that excuse, but it's not an excuse. <clears throat> when you go home and you reassess the fight, you got to look at everything. How did I feel in the fight day in the morning? How did I feel as the fight got closer? How was I feeling my mental mindset when we were in the back room? How did I feel when I warmed up? How did I feel physically, mentally, spiritually going into there? Can I compare that to my past few fights? And that's the game. How do you replicate that same feeling over and over and over again so that you can perform to the best of your abilities so that you don't have these type of excuses? I always say I want someone to beat me Because they were better. Not beat me because I had some crazy crap going on with the IRS trying to take my house or threatening to throw me in jail or my dad out here with the divorce case threatening to do something crazy with the houses or things like that. Like, I don't want to be thinking about that stuff and weighing heavy on my mind, on my head, and on my heart coming in and being distracted. You got to be locked in. There's no time or... Like, that's the thing about team sports. Even if you are distracted, your team can kind of carry you and be like, come on, man, pull it together. And you can have a couple of good runs. You can have a bad drive, shake your head, be down on yourself for a few seconds, but then you got a couple of seconds you got to re- like regroup and get back out there. Where fighting, wrestling, judo, sambo, all these jiu-jitsu, all these individualized one-on-one sports. Boxing, taekwondo. You don't have the luxury of that because... That's the only thing people are going to remember is what you did when you stepped under there, under those lights. And only Charles Oliveira can understand that from his fight with Makachev. And I'm not making an excuse for him. I'm saying these are things that I, as a competitor, wonder. When I'm watching and analyzing, I'm like, this Oliveira does not look like the same Oliveira that fought Makachev. From a just demeanor standpoint, he just looked different. Dariush, I can't tell from his demeanor because this looks like the same demeanor every single time when he steps into the cage. But one thing I can say is the energy and the fight that he gave back didn't seem reminiscent of the Dariush that got himself on that A-fight win streak to begin with. And it's not to, again, not to diminish anything from Oliveira. You step in there, you make that walk. That's That's what I care about. I'm looking at that. Skill for skill, strategy for strategy. How did you look? What did you do? And Oliveira was on point. Did his thing, landed some clean strikes. The head kick, the same side head kick. He threw the cross, kind of like parry the cross. I believe it was orthodox southpaw. Head kick right behind it. One hand is up, rocks. Dariush steps back a little bit and then he puts the pressure on him seeing that he was rocked and put the finishing touches on Oliveira is a very dangerous guy. And I think someone put out a funny stat. This is the first time that Charles Oliveira wasn't rocked or dropped in a fight on his way to winning. <clears throat> I actually think that's hilarious because that's almost like his M.O. I do think he deserves to take some time off. Let his brain heal. Cause he trains really hard, spars hard. Please, if there's one thing I can say to Oliveira is you don't need to get back into camp and start sparring right away. Let the brain recover so that this can help you with those bigger shots going into the fight with Islam Makachev. Because I do think he's going to need it. Makachev cracked him really good in that first fight. Whether it was the best Oliveira or it wasn't, or it was the best Makachev or it wasn't. I would like to see two guys at their best, not anyone fighting compromise. And we've seen some people do stuff like that. Like Sean O'Malley, you know, calling for a fight, knowing that, and saying it out loud. That oh, I know Sterling's going to be banged up still, coming into this fight camp, and coming into the fight. So these are a couple of things that we're looking at. This is like keep that don't like don't say that out loud because it makes you sound like a pussy. Don't say that out loud, dude. Who wants to fight someone at their weakest? That's like, come on. That's just some soft-ass shit. And if if fans can get behind that, what does that say about you guys? You you guys like seeing the kid get picked on who has one arm tied behind his back? You like seeing fights like that? Or you want to see two people at their best go toe-to-toe and see what's up? Like me and Henry did. Respectable. I want the best version of you. I don't want anything less. You know? Whatever. Um, you got to make, I think the conversation opens up again as Charles Oliveira becoming the greatest of all time at lightweight. I really do. I know people are going to say, well, Khabib's never lost a round, never saw his own blood. Guys, uh, when we say greatest of all time, what are we actually talking about? We know pound for pound, it means if everything were equal, skill for skill, who do we think would be the best? And I think it's tough a tough debate between two high-level guys in John Jones, Alex Volkanovsky, skill for skill, greatest of all time, the GOAT. What's the criteria for that? Is it just accolades? Because if it's just accolades, Charles Oliveira has a pretty damn good resume. From title defenses, style points on finishes. Been in the game longer. Are we looking at exciting fights versus smarter fights? Because then it's like we got a situation like Mayweather. There were other people who are undefeated like him. But the guys that he beat, how do you stack that resume up against the others that are in that conversation? So for me, I think he has to be within that conversation. You have to include Charles... Oliveira in that against Khabib. And then the next best things right now seems like is Makachev closing in. So that's where I'm at. And I'm really looking at title defenses and then winning streak as well. Not like your entire career. I'm talking like in the UFC. Getting those type of win streaks in the UFC is very difficult to do. And seeing someone bounce back from an L, the way that Oliveira has done time and time again in his career, There's something to be said about that. But in terms of accolades, I understand never losing a round. That's a very impressive stat as well. Um, I would argue that Conor has won some rounds against him. One for sure. Maybe two. Very competitive close rounds. And it's not being biased. I just, I don't have a dog in the race. So I can say things like this and not feel like I'm being biased towards anybody. But I think this is a real conversation that we have to have And consider, and if Oliveira were to lose to Makachev again, okay. Then we have some real serious conversations where we're saying like, all right, we kind of know now that these two guys are greater than Oliveira. In the sense of their career, because that's a very huge and critical turning point or accolade that you need to have if you want to be considered or to be in that conversation anymore. So big fight in Abu Dhabi coming up. Looks like that's going to be the fight. Dana White wants it. I want it. The fans want it. Cannot wait. Charles Oliveira, again, rematching. Islam Makachev for the belt. I kind of want to be on that card. I would have liked to have been on that card, I should say. Um, other than that, Mike Mallet, Malot, Adam Fujit, 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 whatever, fuck it. <laughs> they said he was a Muay Thai champion as his stats, but the way he was kicking was like this really odd and weird. Like he'll go, he'll go, he'll go, and then he'll throw like a punch. And like I'm trying to move the way he was moving, and then he'll throw like this really arcing kick. It almost looked like he was pointing the toe. It was very weird and strange for me to watch, and I was kind of confused, and I was asking Marab, and the guys I was like, why is he kicking like that? Is anyone else noticing that? I'm like, I thought he was a Muay Thai champion. I don't know Muay Thai fighters that kick like that. Yeah, it's MMA. But even you see Khalil Rountree, if he's gonna do Muay Thai, he's gonna actually throw the kicks like a proper Muay Thai kick. So I was just very, like, confused by that. But Malat, man, cracked him. Beautiful shif- shifty feint, and then Strangle him. Was that him that strangled him? Yeah, the guillotine. The nasty guillotine choke. Round number two. So, Malat's coming into his own. And I think a lot of people are tuned into him now. On the main card, he's 10-1. He's on a one, two, three. No, I lied. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six-fight winning streak now. He lost to Hakim Dawadu? What? What? What weight was this? Hakeem Dawoodu fought Mike Malat. Am I tweaking right now? these stats tweaking? Bro, he beat Mike Malat. What weight was this? This was World Series of Fighting before it was now called PFL. This is insane. What weight? This was at 145. Mike Malat at 145. He's got to be really young then because how the heck was he at 145? Hakeem is 31. Mike Malat is 31. He fought at 145 in 2014. Dude, that's crazy. Oh, that win aged gracefully for Hakeem. i tell you that. You beat this guy. This guy is fighting at welterweight. No, am I tweaking? Yeah, he's fighting at welterweight. My man's hit a crazy growth spurt and got jacked. But congrats to Malat. Good fight for him. Uh, my guy Dan Ige over Nate the Train Land will. Dan Ige came out. This is one of the best performances I've seen from him. Clean poise, uh, great footwork, taking his time, pivoting the right way. You know he's on a three-fight losing skid. Chang Song Jong, Josh Emmett, Mozart, El then comes back, knocks out Damon Jackson, round two. Almost finishes Nate Landwehr in round two where he floored him with that beautiful left hook on the chin. Looked like he was going to get him out of there. Landwehr is just a tough, tough mofo. Somehow, he survives. And with that being said, two wins in a row for Mr. Iggy. Let's get back in that win column and stay here for a bit. One, two, three, four, five, six. He was on a six fight win streak before. um, So he lost to Julio Arce. Actually, he was on a, this is crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six. He was on a six fight win streak, lost to Julio Arce, then came back, got on a six fight win streak, lost to Calvin Cater, came back, knocked out Gavin Tucker, and then lost three in a row, and now won two in a row. This guy's the limit for him. He's only 31. My fellow D3 wrestler from Wartburg. See Steak stand up, baby, all day. Let's go, bro red. Woo! <clears throat> that was, I know, this is just what I do. I do weird stuff like that. <laughs> um, but like I said, the footwork, the timing, switch stancing, that left hook was money. Every single time he was stoning it, Landwehr was st- finally starting to pick up. Now, guys, if you ever watch Landwehr's shadow box and the way he moves and the way he fights, he was a lot of awkward things, but he came back. I give him credit in his third round, pushing the pace, and started to give Dan a couple of problems and had him thinking about certain things and needed and caused Dan to, re, to to need to adjust and change up his strategy a little bit because he was kind of starting to figure out what was going on. It was either that or Dan was getting a little bit tired and giving where an opportunity to land a couple of strikes and get back into the fight. Other than that, it was Dan Ige all day long. So... Yeah, man. I <clears throat> I'm excited for Dan. You know, he was one of the the good guys uh, for me to work out with down here in terms of drilling, like just being dialed in and being focused the whole time. So I liked working with him. Still like working with him. Look forward to working with him some more in the future. And uh, congrats to him and his family and the team over at XC, him, Eric Nick They put in a lot of time. So it's nice to see him. Taking his time, setting his feet. I was saying one thing at the fights. we were watching at Electra in, um, in Las in uh, in Vegas at the Venetian. He's the only person I know who fights like like one of the hood fights where he's got like his thumbs up from the old classic. Like he's here, and he'll be here. His thumb is up, and then he'll throw these bombs and boom. It's like he's like pulling the trigger when he's about to go. Bang. But I just noticed these things like. Whenever I watch fights, I look at tendencies. I see how people like to move. You know, I could do the Amanda. The Amanda, she's just like... I I, could, I like to impersonate the fighters. That's what I like to do. But, again, congrats to Dan and the family and the team. A couple other ones. Unfortunate events with the headbutt with Chris Curtis. Man, that sucked. Uh, Miranda Maverick, I thought she was going to win. Got it for her. That would have been her third fight in a row, but... That Jasmine chick is pretty freaking tough. Unanimous decision. She wins. She's on a two fight winning streak now. And then we got Amos Zahabi, aka Ariel Hawani, comes out. Evil Hawani came out for violence this time. He is now on a three fight winning streak. He finished Draco Rodriguez' decision over Ricky Ter- Tercios. And now, Ricky Lang, he knocks him out in the first round cold blooded. My man got up and thought the fight was still going on. That is wild to see. He's 35 years old, 5'8", from Quebec, Canada. Canada. <clears throat> good for him. Eriki Lane, man, I feel bad for him because this is a good one. This is the Mongolian murderer, is what they call him, or something like that. 5'7". He used to fight at 25, I felt. Now, he was on a two-fight win streak. Now, he's... Got that snap by Mrs. Zahabi. And before that, he he fought Cody Durden and Jeff Molina at 25. He lost both those fights, went up to 35, won both those fights, and now lost to Amos Zahabi. So I think he was kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I do belong here at 135. And now he's kind of realizing like if I'm losing to these guys who aren't really in the mix, you're going to realize how deep and how stacked this division really is and maybe he's going to make a conscious decision of going back down to 25. But we'll see. I don't give a shit. People are going to do whatever they want to do. That's best for them. Um quick update. I got to train with Javid Bashrat. If you guys know who he is, 3 and 0 oh in the UFC, I believe, or 4 undefeated. Um, him and his brother fought, both undefeated in the UFC and in their careers. We got to do some drilling kind of getting the the Sean O'Malley looks. This is what I like to do. I like to get people that can emulate my opponent as best as they possibly can and give me those repetitions so I can see it over and over and over again so that when I'm in there, I don't need to really overreact where it's like you don't feel familiar and it almost seems like it's slow motion because you've seen those movements over and over again. Like when I fought Jan, when I fought TJ, all my, like all the best fights that I've had, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera, Brett Johns, from that run all the way on, I like figured out what I really need to do in terms of my training. And so far it's been working. I'm not saying this is gonna be a one-stop shop. Sometimes the other guy is just better. But I think I do a good job of preparing myself beforehand where I feel like I almost know you better than you know yourself. And I see these things. So that's what I'm looking to do. And hopefully we get more opportunities to work with each other. I'm not sparring just yet. This is more of a drill that we were doing. So just giving you guys an update, doing the right things that I need. That is one of the sparring partners that I'm looking to have for this fight against Sean O'Malley. And again, <clears throat> I'm going to... I know this is a difficult fight in terms of skill-wise, what this guy does opposite of me. But I like to think I'm pretty well-rounded in my ability to strike. This is more so going to be about me beating me. And some people are going to get what I mean. I got to just make sure I'm doing the right things, preparing myself mentally and physically going in. On paper, my style definitely trumps his. I'm not saying that he can't grapple. We just haven't seen it at a very high level. And the time that we've seen him on the ground, it was against Andres um, Sukumtot and Cheeto Vera. And we've seen how that looked. Did not look very promising. We've seen him grapple with Takenori Gomi in one of those fight pass grappling matches. And he looked good. So, I'm not overlooking him by any means. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be very good on the ground. And I'm not looking to hang out there. I'm looking to do damage. So, guys, if this man hangs out in half guard or on all fours, it is going to be a brutal ass whooping. Um God. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Like it's not even a joke. I, I truly do feel the guys who have gotten away from that ass whooping, either not letting me take them down or not hanging out in full guard or in half guard with me, those are the smart ones. The ones that actually try to get up and get out of there. Cause if you hang out on bottom and you let me set up shop. You know, R.I.P., it was good knowing you. Thanks for coming and it is what it is, um, and whatever. Again, I got to get past his striking. He's going to be long. He's going to be rangy, using his footwork. He's going to be dancing on his toes. He's going to be trying to stick to jab feint, throwing his hip switch, but as I'm just walking you down, I'm fading back, and then you got to react to me. There's going to be a lot of energy, your nervous system. There's going to be a lot going into this, and it's going to be a battle of who's more prepared and willing to go there. I think Sean is willing to go there. We've seen it with the Yan fight. He took himself to deep water. He did look a little tired going into that third round, but he managed to hurt Jan that round also pretty bad with that one knee that just hit him in the right spot that cut him. Other than that, the striking was relatively even going back and forth in that third round. So I look at all these things in terms of my preparation, and I look at the demeanor. Do you want to be there? How bad do you want to be there? Is he going for it? Is he pushing the pace? Is he being a little bit more relaxed? These are all the things I'm looking at because even if I don't get him down in the first round, I need to know the type of fight that I'm going to potentially be in if it does go five rounds or if it goes a little bit longer than one. So, yes, this is where the mindset is at. And with that being said, I think I fold him in half. You know, I don't want to be – I think second round, because he's tall. They're gonna be doing the right training. I, I I think second round. I'm not. I'm gonna put it in my head. I'm gonna say to you guys second round, but I'm going to put it in my head. That I'm I'm really trying to get him out of there in the first round. I really would love that. Nothing better to be than to get the squeeze on the golden goose in the first round. Go home early. I don't get paid by the minute, guys. You know, so I'm not really looking to make it a <clears throat> a long show. I want to just show that there's levels and there's dominance to this. That's my mindset going into this training camp. With that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that like button. Subscribe. I'll see you guys soon. Stay blessed. Stay safe. I'm going to go pick up this Lambo right now. Peace.